Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Katie. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today we're going to talk about The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. But first, we want to thank everyone who listened to our first episode. We really appreciate it. But now, we're going to ask you to go ahead and rate, and if you have time, review the podcast on whatever platform you use. And we would prefer if they were positive reviews, but I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. (laughs) That's true. I mean, we have enough trouble living our own lives. We're not going to tell anyone else how to live their life. Yeah. But if you do go ahead and rate and review, it helps us out a lot. The more rates and reviews you have, the more likely it is to be shown on various lists on different podcast platforms. So, on to the synopsis from Goodreads. Told in Quoth's own voice, this is the tale of the magically gifted young man who grows to be the most notorious wizard the world has ever seen. You know, I never really thought wizard, though, when I read this. Anyway, the intimate narrative of his childhood in a troop of traveling players, his years spent as a near-feral orphan in a crime-ridden city, his daringly brazen yet successful bid to enter a legendary school of magic, it sounds so Harry Potter right It there. does. <laughs> <laughs> and his life as a fugitive after the murder of a king form a gripping coming-of-age story unrivaled in recent literature. A high-action story written with a poet's hand, The Name of the Wind is a masterpiece that will transport readers into the body and mind of a wizard. I think this one is much more on point than the uh, review that we had for The Prince of Thorns. So I'll give it a couple sentence one. This is the tale of Quoth, as told by Cote, about an insanely talented youth who is as bad with women as he is good at everything else. So yeah, it's worth mentioning that this is kind of told as a memoir, but with a present. So Cote is the main character telling his history while he has like things happening in the present that are yes. relevant to the story. Yep. So as we just, she just said, the book is being written by a man who's called the Chronicler. That's kind of like a title for him. And it's being dictated to him directly by Cote. So there's going to be periods in the present where Cote is masquerading as a simple innkeeper. And then the story told about the childhood of Quoth. Yeah. And I mean, there are a few other characters in the present. And I feel like it's building towards something that's going to happen. We've both read the first two books. The third one's not out. I feel like the present is building towards something has to happen there. Yeah. Like a big part of the story. So this is the first book by Rothfuss. I think first thing, the most important, is this is definitely a beautiful story. If this was being told to you by a fireside somewhere, mm-hmm. you would just you would think that this was being done by like a masterful bard of old. Yeah, so, the, the prose in it's just great. Yeah. I, I just like reading. I mean, there are so many quotes in this. There's actually, I'm pretty sure I was watching Criminal Minds one day, and there's always like a quote that they have as a voiceover, and it was one from one of these books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When I'm reading like an exceptionally well-written book, a true tale, I don't even feel like I read the book so much as I just imagine it like a movie in my mind. And this was definitely a book that I absolutely envisioned so much as read. I couldn't remember specific sentences sometimes. I mean, you know, when Mm -hmm. I got done reading a page, I don't necessarily even remember a single word that I read, but I saw the story as I was reading it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I even when I picture the things, I still feel like I'm reading at the time. But let's say they made a book into a movie and there were changes. I won't know which 
part was from which because I do picture them both. However, I feel like this might be part of why you'll miss something in a book. Oh, yeah. Because you're picturing what's going on and you're not necessarily seeing the smaller... Details. Details, yes. Yeah. Because you're paying attention to the more the things that help make it a richer Narrative. experience in your mind. Like yeah. Visual. Yeah, you know, I, I probably didn't even think about that. And you're the kind of person that will go back and reread the same page six times if you feel like you've missed a detail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's not something that I generally do. Uh, we had some friends over this weekend, and I was talking with him about it, and he agreed with me that he almost never goes back and rereads anything. Even a book that's his favorite book ever, he'll almost never go back and read it a second time. And then that's something that I, I rarely do, but you do a lot. Oh, yeah. I've I've read this book three or four times. Yeah. When I was a teenager, I reread the Wheel of Time series over and over again. <laughs> but I think that, you know, that was my first great mm-hmm. love of a series. I didn't really know a lot of other series at the time either, you know? Yes. It feels comfortable for me. It's, and especially when it's something that it's a series where new books are coming out. Yeah. I like to reread every book right before the new one comes out so that everything's fresh in my mind. Yeah. And and I I don't do that too often. I have done that a little bit with the Game of Thrones, or sorry, the Song of Ice and Fire. Let's get that right. The Game of <laughs> we Thrones. We were actually talking about it earlier. It was like in the Game of Thrones book, like the actual Game of Thrones book, the first one. Like yeah. I had to say it in three different <laughs> ways to make sure yeah. that he understood which one I was talking about. Yep. So this is going to be the kind of book that even if there are some things here and there that can seem problematic, it's it's a just a beautifully written story mm-hmm. so that i don't think anyone would ever be able to say that that's not the case well and i think that's important to the story too because it's about someone that basically has a, a real appreciation and a real skill at telling stories and at you know creating music and really moving people with them and it's told in his own voice so that's you know extremely important yeah and he was part of a traveling troupe they're called the edema rue is that mm-hmm. correct who that they was, were really looked down upon they in were. their society, too. Yeah, but they were basically travelers who did plays. It was kind of circusy. It mentioned things, I think, like sword, Swa- swordsmen. Yeah, sword goes, yeah, well, and, and I know there was a guy that was good at swordsmanship oh, yeah. that was teaching him yeah, things. Sword play. Yeah, and he taught him that. For And they would have uh, a lot of people travel with them, like the, I guess in this they call them wizards in this review, but that's not <laughs> what they call them. They're... Um, sympathists and no scriveners the ones that work in the library oh yeah you're right but sympathists because sympathy is the magic yeah but there's a arcanist Arcanist. because sympathy is one part of their magic system yeah arcanist encompasses all possible yeah ones within it yeah and we'll Um, talk a little bit about sympathy as we go on but sympathy even the arcanist says it's not really magic yeah it's more like physics Rothfuss says that it's it's backed up by physics. Well, yeah, it has a set of rules that make sense. Like, they yeah. make perfect sense. Yeah. The actual making it happen is kind of magic. Yeah. The you fact that in. you can decide that something is true and it's true yeah. is that, magic. Yeah, that's, that's magic. But then I feel like in the second book, there are things that are magic, but it's... Well, and he Something performs separate. one bit of magic in this one. He calls the name of the wind. That's what the whole oh, yeah. the name of the book is. That's what gets him promoted to Yeah, and that, I mean, level. it starts describing that really early in the yeah. book. It's not a spoiler, but that is one thing that a skilled namer, they call them namers, can do is you just basically understand something and can control it by saying its name. Yeah. And then uh, just going back real quick to 
the edema rue that having people that they're looked down upon and they but they have people travel with them you know as a safety thing that that's just something that made me think back to the wheel of time and something that other people have mentioned before too that quoth he's a son of the edema rue mm-hmm. and they're called the tinkers in mm-hmm. this one and they just travel around and they don't use they don't use violence and like specifically they don't in theirs but something that kind of like people mention so- as a similarity but this book also has tinkers. They're not the same thing? No, they're more like the real tinkers, but they're a people, like oh. a specific people, like mm-hmm. the Edimaru are a people. Okay. These ones, ones oh. in the Wheel of Time. So. Yeah. But, and then, so in this, why I brought up that they have people travel with them is that's how he learns a lot of his little skills that kind of come in handy around throughout the books. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, just part of his upbringing. He learned a lot from the people in his troop but yeah. also like he had like a naturalist that traveled with him yeah and an arcanist and that's how he learned a lot of these things at a very young age that later made him much better than his classmates yeah and that's something that if we're gonna get into where someone could have a real issue with the books it's gonna be that he is amazing at everything but women he re- learns an entire language basically in a day well he he says he didn't learn the entire language. No, but he only a majority what he of needs. it. Yeah, but he said a majority of <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So he plays music. I mean, that's something that you can see, especially with his parents being his dad, you know, playing the lute and him playing it from a very young age. That could be a difference. But he's able to, he goes off to the woods and basically learns to play, you know, just masterfully. Yeah. And but he can. I don't see a problem with that. It makes sense in the story. There's a reason he's so good at it in the story. Yeah, but... I mean, he's he's, he's basically a genius yeah. because he, even before that, he picks everything up so quickly. Yeah, he's better, but, but he's better than anyone else, basically ever. The other guy who was made, the, 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 the master namer, he actually beats all of his records, and he was the guy that had the records for... Did he? I thought yeah, that I thought he was, was younger. Well, he was younger, but in terms of the amount of time it took him to... Mm-hmm. I mean, he gets promoted basically in days. I mean, yeah, but he kind of games the system. He does game the system. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I mean, I feel like it's. I can hear Pepper licking the couch. Pepper, licking the couch. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is going to be able to hear Pepper licking yeah. the couch, but I can. I don't know. I don't feel like it's unrealistic in the bounds of this story. I don't disagree with you entirely. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in the description on the book. He clearly becomes a great warrior, mm-hmm. a great musician, a great wizard, as they call it. But mm-hmm. when the book ends, he's in his mid-teens, right? 14, 15? I think it might have been 15. Yeah, yeah. I think it so, started. I think he got there about 14. Yeah, so, so he's like 15 when the book ends. And at some point, real quickly, he's also going to become one of the greatest swordsmen in the history of the I don't think it says that. The other people in the tavern, when they're telling stories about... Yeah, they're telling stories. But he clearly becomes a good enough swordsman at some point after... But that's that's one of the other things about this, that I feel like it's... Those stories mean nothing, because you're in his head this whole time. Yeah. Hearing about him spreading stories, and how he basically fakes things. That's I feel like the quote, the bloodless... He just, he took a, a, like a bark yeah, a and drug. he didn't bleed. And then he spread rumors. Like yeah, right. he says multiple times how he like tells some kid to spread rumors about him and he starts half of them 
So, so. Then, okay. <laughs> I see what you're saying, but I still think that even in the parts that are definite, he still is just amazing at every single thing that he does, mm-hmm. except for women. But I don't really think that... I think that's just being naive as he's young. Yeah, he is. Because that... He, he is naive, but he talks about how well the the courtesan that was with them taught him to behave with women mm-hmm. and the manners that he should show and he is just not good he is not even good at pretending though where he's that good at pretending everything else right i think he has good manners well maybe like, he does but i'm just saying that he's just he misses every cue yeah that, okay but I'm he just, does yeah. but i think that when you're a teenager even if someone like is obviously really into you I always missed that kind of thing. But he is off in the wilds by himself with just another young lady at some times, and he doesn't let his hormones ever rage or do something stupid. Well, he well, he does lots of stupid things. Oh yeah, but over not. time. But and that's <laughs> that's the kind of thing that you're when you like someone, you're hyper aware of everything you're doing. Yeah, that's like, yeah, you're right. And you're when you're that nervous, and I mean, he has plenty of reasons not to make a move on her and yeah. he describes them but i'm just gonna say i'm just giving you the the things that like our friend casey who we had dinner with last night he said that was his big issue with this book he said mm-hmm. he loves the book just as much as i do but that it irritated him with just how good quoth was at everything even if he's saying it in his mind you know just making things up mm-hmm. while being that bad and that unable to read women even though he's somehow able to read everybody else in order to manipulate them into doing things, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I I do agree that there are some women that he's like that with that he doesn't catch things that he should, Mm -hmm. but I feel like with the one woman that I I think he catches a lot of the hints, but he just has, you know, certain reasons for the way he acts. Yeah, so let's get into... (laughs) We clearly are going to disagree a little bit about that. Yeah. But let's get into something that I think we both really liked, which is their, called the lower version of magic. They claim it's not even really magic. Mm-hmm. It's called sympathy. And it follows, like, the laws of physics. You have, basically, things can be bound to other things through links. So, the, one of the examples they use is, if you have two coins that are the same kind of coin, they're similar enough that they'll have a good link. If they're made from the same batch of metal, they'll have a better link. So they're basically, if they're a different kind of material, it'll be a worse link. Yeah. So the two coins would might be somewhere pretty close to what he said, like 90%, 85%, 90% similar enough mm-hmm. that if you bind the two together and you try to pick one coin up, you can pick both coins up and it'll weigh just about like twice as much. Yeah, it'll weigh you, the, the one coin you pick up will be the weight of both. Yeah. And it's pretty close to, to just double. But if you were to try to do that with something that wasn't the same, say like a piece of wood, piece of metal then it's going to weigh way more. Because most of your force is lost. Is lost, yeah. So you lose it, and I think they call it bleeding. So it's kind of cool like that. Like, you don't just point a wand and say a magic word, whatever flies Yeah, there's, there's math, and, I mean, you can legitimately kill yourself doing it. Yeah. And... That's a big part of their their training is is learning how to use that properly. Mm-hmm. You And you have to have a source, too, so you can draw, like, on your own body heat. But well, do, that's if you're just moving something like that, you your hand, you, like your muscles are your source. Yeah, so. your source, yeah. But if you're, so let's you try. say, trying to light a candle, then you have to have a source of heat so you can use your blood or you could use yeah, a fire. A fire, yeah. 
But if you didn't have a fire handy, then you could use your blood. But you have the, to know how many how, degrees it's going to drop your, your body heat, so to, you don't kill yourself. Yeah, go have give yourself <laughs> hypothermia. So I really like that. It's not just the more powerful you are with magic; it's how strong your will is. Not anyone can just decide this. You have to hold in your mind the idea that they are basically they're the same thing. This is going to work. Yeah, I guess you have to be so. able to split it in your mind that. That even if someone says a coin's going to fall and you know that a coin's going to fall because it obviously is going to fall, you have to be able to split that off and know that the coin's also not going to fall. You have to be absolutely certain with 100% certainty that coin's not going to fall for it not to fall, even though obviously it should fall. Mm -hmm. It's just a cooler way to going about it than a lot of magical systems, I think. And then there's two other sort of magical systems that they they use as well. Well, they have... um... The runes. Yeah, they have their sigildry, yep. which is the runes, and they use that and sympathy also. But so I guess they s- describe sigildry as being able to make permanent the sympathy. Yeah. So that when you're not physically holding it in your mind, it's still there. Yeah, and even th- and that's dangerous as well because you have to to make them properly so they don't blow up on you while you're trying to make them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, obviously, there's the last one, which would be more like a real magic. There's also the, not not chemistry, like alchemy. alchemy. Yeah, there's also alchemy. Yeah, but it seems and like the alchemy is more used to make practical things that aren't well, it, specifically Well, they just really magical. don't talk about it very much. Yeah. Because he doesn't really go into it very yeah, He often. goes into it more in the second book, definitely. Because yeah. he makes money off of it in the second book, but not in the first. Mm-hmm. There's also naming, which we did talk about a little bit before, and that's what Kvothe thinks of as real, real magic. magic. Yeah, and that's where if you know the name of something, then you can call its power. Yeah, and then there's also... The world, I feel like, is pretty developed. The world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah there's, there's different races, there's different regions, and they talk about history, and... I mean, the whole thing is kind of tied together by this mainstream of what happened to his parents and some mythology and him really searching for things that... You know, it, it brings you more about the world. Yeah, there, there's definitely a central storyline that brings the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's it's a mystery. But, you yeah. know, he's trying to figure out this mystery and mm-hmm. he's the only one trying to figure it out. Yeah. In fact, so. there's people actively trying to make sure he doesn't figure it out. Yeah. So the world is definitely well put together and the characters are Definitely multidimensional. Mm-hmm. No one is purely evil mm-hmm. or purely good, and there's a lot of gray area. I feel like that's something that makes a huge difference in caring about the characters mm-hmm. and liking the characters. Yeah, one of my favorite characters is one of his friends that is only somewhat, I mean, there's not a whole lot about him. You know, he's a really nice person. Mm-hmm. He's not like super smart, but he's he's you know he can do his thing, and he's always helpful. But also, he's actually no, he's the one that's really bad with the ladies. Is Simon? Mm-hmm. He's terrible with the ladies. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the characters. The the thing with this entire book is that he just spins a story so well. He was a bard of old. People, a bard of old. I mean, you know, it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but if he was, people would flock. He would be incredibly mm-hmm. famous and be able to tell his story anywhere that he wanted. That's just the biggest compliment you can 
put for this book is, is that it's just incredibly well written. Yeah. As a story. So let's get into our recommendation phase. So whether we liked it, I think that has been pretty well established. Katie? Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. love this book. Yes, it's amazing. Now, here's one, a section that I really like, is the how did it make us feel section. Because the first book that we reviewed didn't make us feel very good. And there's going to be definitely some issues with other books that we'll read on how they made us feel. Mm-hmm. But for me, this book made me feel hopeful. Yeah, and it's, yeah, there's parts of the book that are funny. There are some definite dark parts, but overall, I feel good while I'm reading it. Yeah. Like, I, I want to read more. I want to f- help unravel the mystery. I want to try to figure things out. In my mind, I'm trying to, you know, work out the puzzles. and. Yeah, it gives you much more of a hopeful feel than Prince of Thorns, <laughs> which is always just, <laughs> it always feels so dark that mm-hmm. even if our main character wins in that one, the world's not necessarily in a better place. Yeah. And would we recommend it to others? Oh, yeah. There's there's no... I mean, we have recommended it to others. We have recommended it to other people. There's no question about that. And I don't really think that... The second book has some sex, but it's not, like, graphic or mm-hmm. yeah, and even super descriptive. It's just you know what's... It's sex. It's more of a... You're probably going to be in your late teens before you really understand how good the book is but there's no issue to reading it at a younger age and if you're an advanced individual then you're not gonna have any problems with Mm -hmm. the book as a parent you don't have to say oh you can't read this book until you're an older teen so now as we said in our first episode we rate things on a five star scale what would you give it oh five stars yep and i'm giving it a five star as well and there's not even a question as i said there's two things that are the most important to me do I not want to put the book down, and do I see it as a movie in my mind? Is it that is it well written enough that I just that I don't even feel like I'm reading the book? And this definitely had both of those things. Even though this was my second time reading it, and I said I don't often read books a second time, I still stayed up way later than I should several <laughs> nights in a row because I didn't want to stop reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even when you know what's going to happen, I almost feel like you want to keep reading it more because you're like, I know this is going to happen soon. I have to get to this point because I want to read this part tonight. So, so let's go ahead and give our closing thoughts. I'm going to say it. This is had been, has been said by many people. If you have ever looked at anything about Patrick Rothfuss or read anything about his series, you're going to hear that it's been six years since his last book. That's pretty saddening to me and you have to always have that is he gonna pull a martin on us and never finish the series i mean clearly he's a real selfish bastard doing his charity work and spending time with his kids and wife Hmm. what a terrible human being (laughs) so he does he has a a charity that he does every year and it's huge. They well, yeah. donate tons of money. Not just money, but like things like goats to someone. Yeah, who they needs do. A goat. Uh, Heifer International is what a lot of their money goes to. Yeah. And so, yeah, they donate, you know, goats to families so that they have a source of income and yeah. not just the money that mm-hmm. you know. And and it's called World Builders, right? 
Yeah, and yeah. they do. They auction off a lot of stuff. The last couple of years, they've had uh, Neil Gaiman read children's stories on YouTube for a lot of their uh, like stretch goals. So mm-hmm. like enough people donate this amount of money, then one of these things happens, mm-hmm. and then everyone votes on what Neil Gaiman reads in his amazing voice. We definitely also recommend that along with the books. Yeah, I also recommend following him on Facebook, but not reading most of the comments because at least half of them are the assholes that, well, why don't you just finish the book instead? Because (laughs) obviously those kinds of comments help him want to write his book. Yes. Yes. That would always make me me want to. But And and he has small children now. Mm -hmm. And he loves spending time with them. Can't argue with that. You can't argue with that. As, As the clearly massive fans that we are, we wish that he would finish the series. But... He's also an awesome guy that is doing a lot of good things for the world. So you can't really begrudge him those things. And he has an awesome life at this point. Well, and you want him to finish it properly. Yeah. You don't want it rushed in between all these other things just to get it done. Yeah. So for those of you who are going to be reading along with us, our next book is The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison. She'll be our first female author. On on the podcast. On the podcast, (laughs) yes. This will be the first female author on the podcast, and this is going to be a first read-through for both of us. We did read another series by her previously, and we probably will review that sometime in the future as well. This one is a big-time book. She won the Hugo Award for it just this last year. Did Rothfuss win a Hugo for... The name of the wind? It seems like he won some awards. I don't, know, I don't really keep track of, yeah, of the that awards kind of stuff. thing. So. Yeah. Big deal. She is the first African-American woman to win a Hugo for a full-length novel with this book. Katie is going to go ahead and read an intro on the book. Okay. This is the book description on Goodreads, and it's, This is the way the world ends for the last time. A season of endings has begun. It starts with the great red rift across the heart of the world's sole continent, from which enough ash spews to darken the sky for years, or centuries. It starts with death, with a murdered son and a missing daughter. It starts with betrayal, and long dormant wounds rising up to fester. And it ends with you. You are the stillness. A land long familiar with catastrophe. Our origins wield the power of the earth as a weapon and are feared far more than the long cold night. And you will have no mercy. A new fantasy trilogy by Hugo Nebula and World Fantasy Award nominated author N.K. Jemison. And as we just said, she does win the Hugo for this. Mm-hmm. Thank you all very much for listening. Have a good week. Thanks. The more likely it is to be shown on lists on various pod forms. Pod- on the pod forms. <laughs> on pod forms. <laughs>